Hello and welcome to the Daily Reprieve Podcast, where the sexaholic or sex addict can find experience, strength, and hope from those that have traveled this road ahead of us. This episode is produced in the spirit of the 12th step to carry the message to other sexaholics. Every effort has been made to remove full names of the speakers in these recordings. This is done in order to follow the 11th tradition regarding anonymity at the level of press, radio, television, and film. This podcast is self-supporting through contributions. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and would like to support The Daily Reprieve, please do so by going to GoFundMe.com, search for The Daily Reprieve, and click on Donate Now. Without further ado, please enjoy today's Daily Reprieve. Uh, Hello, everybody. Welcome to this session on... um, Top plate is top plate uh, rigorous honesty or just another manifestation of self. My name is Jim and I'm a sexaholic. Hey everybody, I'll be your leader for this session. Uh, in the spirit of the fifth tradition, to carry the message, this session will be recorded. The recorder will not be turned off during this session. If you do not wish to be recorded, you may participate by listening or attend another session. We ask that those who choose to share step up to the microphone and we'll move it up there so that the, those uh, who listen can, to the recording can follow the discussion. Will you please follow me in, op- in opening with a serenity prayer? God, grant me the serenity to accept things I cannot change, the courage to change things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Um, my panelists are Steve B. from Memphis and Walt P. from Memphis, and they're going to be sharing a little bit in, in, in a minute, and we're going to do some readings first, and uh, Walt is going to read the, do the essay purpose and guidelines for sharing. And my name is Walt. I'm a gratefully recovering sexaholic. Uh, this is the essay purpose. Sexaholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop lusting and become sexually sober. There are no dues or fees for SA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. SA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sexually sober and help others achieve sexual sobriety. I'd like to go over a few guidelines for our sharing. Uh, Because our common welfare becomes first, uh, a few guidelines for sharing during this meeting. Uh, We do not cross-talk as we share with the group as a whole rather than as addressing any individual member. Speak with the I and not with the we or the you. We leave our identities at the door, including politics, religions, therapies, treatment centers, occupations, and other 12-step issues. We speak about and from the SA point of view. Our meetings focus on the SA approach to recovery, so whenever possible, we avoid the mention of titles and authors that are not SA-approved literature. We avoid profanity, sexual descriptions, and sexually abusive language. When sharing strains, we remind each other of our commitment to state of these guidelines by quietly raising our hands. Thanks, Walt. Um, so, like I said, this topic is about the top plate. And, and the three of us and some more people in here are from Memphis. And um, we've, been, we've had uh, SA meetings in, in the Memphis area for a little over two years and three or four months. And uh, many of y'all are from uh, Nashville, I noticed, as you came in. And Steve S. moved from Nashville down to Memphis and, and brought the program. And um, and so my experience with top plate meetings are as as a result of somebody coming from Nashville and teaching us how to have meetings. And so so that's 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 what I want to talk about is my experience of top plate meetings. And then we're going to talk about uh, perhaps what Roy K thought when he wrote an uh, an article about top plate and what and what he really meant by top plate. And maybe we're getting it wrong and maybe not. But it's just a uh, it's something to think about, and, and maybe it'll generate some discussion from y'all about about your experience in, with top plate meetings. Um, 
it was always under I was under the impression when when we came down that that uh, top plate was something that, that that we shared and we and we basically shared about maybe how our day was going or what was going on with us at that moment uh, a quick kind of a check in which is which is um, I have learned and I just heard um, brains be. I mean Burns B from next door talking talking about it, and he said, you know, that's that's kind of like the therapy the therapy model or a mental health model, just checking in and un, kind of unloading what's what's on your mind today, and it's not a bad thing, but um, but is it what we do in in, in SA, and uh, and that's and that's that, and that got me thinking, and that's why I became interested in in learning more about this and and uh, and facilitating this meeting. So um, Steve B. is going to read now a couple of pages out of Recovery Continues that Roy K. wrote, uh, I think it was in 1985, about Top Plate. I'm Steve Barber. I'm a sexaholic. Uh, the Top Plate. We may be experiencing something significant in SA. As far as we know, it first took place at the Warm Beach Washington Convention last year, June 7th through 9th in 1985. In the three instances where it has been put into action so far, it was reported by several to have been the most potent or meaningful experience of the get-together. The reports on the Maryland Marathon and Midwestern Regional get-togethers state that the most powerful session of the day was when, under example of the leader, those members who chose gave away their top plate. What is this sending away of the top plate? It was first used as a practical way of working steps six and seven as a group exercise. Think of the spring-loaded plate dispenser in cafeterias and salad bars, a stack of plates whose weight brings the level of the stack down to about counter level. As the top plate is picked up, the stack rises, exposing the next plate underneath. There often seems to be one thought, attitude, or behavior in our lives that's standing in the way of further recovery or growth, one sticking point in our wills, one thing we're constantly hanging on to that obstructs, that's holding everything else down. Of course, at first, this was our addiction itself. Without picking it up off the stack, so to speak, and dealing with it, we weren't about to go anywhere. It covered what was underneath. Once we got sober, though, we could then see and acknowledge the next defect on which we could work the steps. Often we discover the next plate to be a particular resentment, dependency, or other form of our drug. Usually these are merely different manifestations of the ego force that underlies our addiction, the big eye. We're always faced, it seems, with something too precious to let go of, self-will which has always blocked the entry of God. That's from the 12 and 12, step 3, page 34. This is from the 12 and 12, step 6, page 66. Even the best of us will discover to our dismay that there is always a sticking point, a point at which we say, no, I can't give this up yet. And we shall often tread on even more dangerous ground when we cry, this I will never give up. Such is the power of our instincts to overreach themselves. No matter how far we have progressed, desires will always be found which oppose the grace of God. I can't let it go, we say, but we are the only ones who can and do. And when we do, the grace and love and peace of God flood back in and restore us and make us whole and joyous again. But there must be someone to send them away too. That's why we may need some such special experience with each other and the one who has the only remedy for our wrongs, the only one who can bear them. Our experience seems to be validating the very heart of our program, steps 4 through 10, the forsaking and righting of our wrongs. It seems to be showing us powerfully that whenever we bring out into the light of one another and send away to God such thoughts, attitudes, and behavior, we connect in a very powerful way with the larger presence, and the light then floods into our souls. We are freed and we are cleansed. That which was in the way is out of the way. The peace of God prevails within and fills our hungry souls with goodness. And we are one with each other. In Warm Beach, the light began breaking on another, on an otherwise strained get-together as we sent away our top plates. First, the leader confessed and sent away his fear and resentment towards one of the other members present, not naming him by name. Then, each who felt so moved sent away his or her top plate as we ran around the circle. The big breakthrough came when the other member who had strained feelings sent away his fear and resentment. When he did so, the two embraced and were reconciled, and there was a burst of light and great joy in the room. It's October 1986. Thank you, Steve. Now, the three of, the three of us are going to talk a little bit about what top plate means to us, and then we're going to move the microphone up here and have you come, hopefully, and share your top plate or um, 
compare and contrast your experience with top plate meetings, whatever you want to talk about. Steve, you want to start? Sure. Uh, Steve, still a sexaholic. Uh, the, um, there, there's another fellowship that I, that I started out recovery in, uh, another S fellowship in Memphis. SA came to Memphis a couple of years ago, um, and it had actually been in Memphis prior to that uh, in, the, in the early to mid-90s. Um, and the guy that brought it to Memphis uh, unfortunately didn't stay sober, and the fellowship kind of fell apart, and another fellowship came in. And that other fellowship, there's nothing wrong with it. I got sober in that fellowship. Uh, and so I've got a lot of gratitude for the fellowship and a lot of gratitude for the people in it, and I still go to the meetings. Uh, but in that fellowship, they have a, a getting current period. I don't know if any of you guys have ever heard that term. I know the folks from Memphis have. And getting current is basically talking about all your stuff that you did. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you know, I acted out or I'm, I'm struggling with this or I can't stop doing that or whatever. And so when I first heard Top Plate, I thought, well, that must be what it is. And as I read what Roy Kay said, and realize what my experience has been around top plate issues, um, the idea of working the sixth and seventh step with the group really resonates with me. Um, the idea that I can come in and share about a particular character defect that I maybe am not willing to give up yet. Um, if you think about in your recovery, if there's anything that you're sitting on right now where um, God is telling you either through the group or through a sponsor or through somebody else that this is something you need to let go of. And you know what? For me right now at, at, at um, 28 months sober, um, it's not usually lust. You know, I don't have really any problem with the idea that I've let go of for the rest of my life the right to visit an adult chat room or the right to visit uh, a pornographic website or in my case, the right to use Facebook or MySpace uh, or attend an online meeting. <laughs> you know, there's lots of things for me that, that really make up my sobriety definition. If I'm going to define sex with self for Steve, um, you know, if, if, I'm gonna, if I'm going into a chat room, I don't have any business being there. Harvey was talking about that this morning. Is there's just no reason for me to be in that place, and I don't have any, you know, that's something that I've, I've let go of, that I let go of in the early months of sobriety, that I've surrendered. For me today, my top plate issues usually they take the form of a particular resentment or an entitlement that's not necessarily sexual, but it's like it said in the, in the reading from the sixth step, that I tread very dangerous ground whenever I'm holding on to something so tightly that I say, this I will never give up. Um, Example that I that I always use, um, and it's just because it's so easy because it comes up every day, uh, is my relationship with my wife. Uh, I don't know how many of, of you guys are married in here, but for me, um, my house is never clean enough to suit me. But I am never willing to help. <laughs> uh, and I've talked to my sponsor about it. I can't tell you. He gets so tired of talking to me about it. I, I'll, I'll call him and he'll say, are we talking about this again? We talk, what are you gonna, when are you going to do something about it? He's, and we've come up with all kinds of unique solutions. Um, one of the things that I like that he told me, he said, you know, when, when sexaholics get sober, they get cheap. I would spend hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars on my disease. I'm sure nobody else in here did that, right? And this, this disease hadn't cost anybody else any money. And then as soon as I sobered up, all of a sudden money was tight. Uh, I went out of town one time, and I, and I was stuck at a hotel, and he said, why didn't you rent a car? I said, man, that's like 35 bucks. <laughs> Ridiculous. And he just laughs at me. And then he says, well, okay, go rent a car and go to a meeting. And, um, but, you know, he says, you're really cheap. He said, he said, why don't, if you're not willing to help and you're not willing to not hold on to this resentment, then hire a maid. And so every two weeks I've got this lady that comes in and cleans the house. Now, that's something I didn't want to do. And I still hold on to it, though. In the two weeks in between, I think, well, now I'm paying for a maid, so I shouldn't have to help. Uh, I had a friend of mine, an older guy, that used to say, he's never found an iron that fits his hand. <laughs> and so I end up resenting my wife over it. And I think I am entitled because I work and I bring home the bacon and I you know, spend 50 hours a day in a stressful situation that that is my right to come home and sit on my butt. There's another session this afternoon where I'm probably going to talk a little more about this. It, it, it talks, it's about um, the effects of sobriety and taking the actions of love. Um, and it's something that, that I deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. And, and being willing to say, 
God, take this away from me. The way that, um, that my sponsor says it, it's, it's, it's really clear. It's a, a sixth step is really easy. Or seventh step is really easy. The sixth step's the hard one. That's where I need help. I've got to have a sponsor telling me how to deal with it. I'll bring it to the group as well. And that's what this top plate issue is about. Is that I can bring it to the group and that's me, that's me saying, this is something I don't want to give up. This is something holding me back. This is something that's keeping all the rest of my plates down. The seventh step is after I've released it and said this is something I want to do and I've shined the light of truth on it and God's able to come into my life and correct me in his way. Um, sometimes gently, sometimes not so much. Um, and I can say a very simple prayer. God, this crap is killing me. I can't take it anymore. You have to take it away from me. When I'm sitting in that place and I'm willing to let it go, before then I'm in a dangerous spot. I'm in a place where my sobriety is threatened even though it's not a lust threat. When I get to that place where I'm willing to say to God, and I may have to say it a thousand times, I, th- I really believe that just like lust, there's some of these things that are going to be with me for the rest of my life to, for me to learn whatever lesson I've got to learn. And I've got to cast it out. I've got, to, I've got to deal with it in a meeting with my higher power, with my sponsor every time it comes up. And I may have to say that prayer a thousand times to get relief. The idea of this top plate being the opportunity for me to come in and vomit all the crap up from the week. and uh, It's not a woe is me. My wife is such a witch. She won't clean the house. Um, it's not a I can't get sober because whatever the laundry list of issues is. You know, that's when you when you enter into that, that's where it's really talking about self pity. It's being in the problem. It's staying in myself. If I'm coming in just to talk about it, I'm not really working the steps. If I'm coming in looking for a solution for my higher power that may be represented by that group of people, then I have the opportunity to get well from it and to align my will with God's. So uh, those are just my rambling thoughts. Um, go to walk. Thanks, Steve. I'm Walt. I'm still a sexaholic. Apologize for my voice. Uh, God blessed me last week with not being able to talk. It's probably more of a blessing for my wife than it was for me. But uh, I'm really glad to be here. I really don't feel worthy to be here. Um, I was here this time last year. Um, I was the most sober person here last year. I had six months of sobriety. And I actually managed to throw it away while I was here. Um, and, and mostly in not being honest. Um, when we first brought the mention of the top plate, I thought, well, this is great because I remember the thing I was always the most fearful of whenever I was probably going to be called on to lead a meeting was, what am I going to talk about? Um, you know, what's going to be first on my mind? Is God going to put something in my mind? And a top plate was a really easy way out because I could just spin it around a room and whatever anybody had to spell out um, was a good deal. And, and, and by the grace of God, most of the time that worked out in my favor. Um, I patted myself on the back for the great job I did leading the meeting and look at all the stuff that came out everybody needed to talk about. But the truth was, uh, the top plate that was right in front of me that I wasn't really seeing was my fear. Um, my sponsors told me on several occasions that I'm the worm at the center of the universe. Um, you know, I have, a, I have a fear that I need to be in charge. Um, I spent a lot of time trying to prepare for this when I was asked to um, to speak, and I, I thought, you know, I have absolutely nothing to speak about, but man, I'm really glad to be here. I finally get a chance to get in front of the microphone. What am I going to say? And uh, what I found out was that God wasn't going to let me prepare for it one way or the other. Uh, the harder I looked at it, the more stuff I looked at, the more things just danced around in my head that made no sense whatsoever. Um, so, top plate, Steve talked about from reading the book, the top plate is the stack of dishes, um, each one coming off, each one being a character defect. Um, and when I realized that it, I have a lot of character defects and each one comes off and the only way to get to that, that basic steel plate at the bottom was to get rid of all the character defects. Well, I know that's never going to happen. Um, for me, the top plate issue uh, is important. It's like Steve said, it's not a chance to, to gripe and spell out all my garbage. I learned that hard and fast. I, I spilled that out to a few people in the meeting and it worked great for me, so I thought I'd go home and spill it out to my wife. It didn't work so well from that, in that situation. Um, what it ended up being was a dumping ground, like Steve said, where I could you know, make myself feel better. I could get all my stuff up. I could vomit it up. 
And if it didn't vomit up on them, I'd vomit on her and make myself feel better. And it really didn't because I saw the, the pain and the agony it caused her. Um, the top plate issue for me um, is honesty and humility. Uh, like I said, I'm the worm at the center of the universe. And I, I'm, I'm always so fearful by having to say the right thing. I realize, you know, coming to these meetings that it's not about me. You know, it's about God and God's grace and what God has, has done through these men in my fellowship and, and many of the men in here and, and about what he's going to do, you know, in my interaction with you. Uh, so the top plate for me, like I said, is just really a, an honesty and humility issue. So thank you. I'm still Jim Sexaholic. Everybody. I um, um, I don't. I'm not going to talk much more. I want to give you all a chance to come up and, and talk about your top plate. But but um, when I was uh, first talking about uh, leading this meeting, someone told me or, or gave me the idea that you know if if all we needed to do was talk about our issue of the day or what's been going on with us, then drunks could get sober under the bridge. We wouldn't need we wouldn't need meetings and we wouldn't need steps and I mean and and while the the therapy the therapist in me or the therapies when therapies speak un, unloading stuff uh, is not a bad thing um, uh, I just think that that there's more to this program and more to to sobriety and long term serenity than than that. Um, my top plate issue is something that I don't really want to talk about. I don't talk about this at meetings, and it's the most obvious thing go in my life is my is my eating disorder. Since I have I went to treatment five years ago, I've been sober three years, but since I stopped using drugs and acting out for the most part, I have gained one hundred pounds, and so. Um, I still have a I still have a drug, you know. I mean, you know, I'm I'm not um, uh, lust is not is not um, or not acting out is not the hardest thing that I do every day. Now lust still bites me, and 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 I and I and I call myself working a program and talking talking to a sponsor and working steps and going to meetings and praying and doing all the stuff. But I still got my drug. And I can run to stop on the road and get it on the way to a meeting, or get it on the way home, or or whatever. And it's it's something that 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 I'm that I'm, I'm making a commitment here to start looking at and start working on. And that is my top plate. Now, um, who all wants to come up and talk? Come up and line up here. Y'all line all the way back out of the room. The floor is open. Y'all come on. I know why I'm at the meeting. I know I think I'm at the right meeting. This is the um, honesty, right? Honesty one. I was a bit late. I apologize. I'm Dave, and I'm a sexaholic. Um, well, I'm. <coughs> I'm just uh, happy to the the one before this. Well, the top plate issue for me is basically I'm uh, well f- full full of a lot of shame and broken. Um, I, it's taken me a while to uh, admit the complete defeat of um, the destruction that I've caused myself and the people around me um, due to this uh, sex sexaholism and basically uh, the only reason I'm here <coughs> is to um, try to just learn to surrender to it um, I've kind of tricked myself or lied to myself for the last year it was when I first was introduced to SA uh, after a couple different uh, treatment centers. But crazy as it sounds, uh, I went right back out for the last year and tricked myself through working, being a workaholic. So my top plate issue is that I'm very broken. 
been suicidal for the last month, but I tricked myself in and out of it because I can go into the work mode or I can go into whatever other mode. And uh, it's about the big dishonesty I have is not taking the action, leaving my brain, I mean, not, not following my heart and not... Uh, it's about impression and public management. I'm, I'm, I think this is a big thing, is that I want to look good on the outside. Uh, meanwhile, I'm destined to death if I don't start to put the stuff into action that I know I need to do. So that's about as honest as I can be. Thank you. Thank you. I'll go second. I'll fix the call. <laughs> All right, my name's Ryan. I'm a sexaholic. Right. Um, I think my, I have several top plate topics. I mean, I, I have a lot of things that are, it, for me, it's trying to figure out what the top plate is um, i've uh I've struggled uh, with eating I've had an eating disorder also i don't you know I probably put on twenty i've been sober a year I've put on twenty pounds twenty or thirty pounds and it's not so much uh over eating it's just the way that i uh use food you know as kind of a medicator um, I use it in much the same way that I used sex um to avoid, you know, uncomfortable feelings. So, you know, I've got that going on, but, you know, I'm still in early sobriety, so I've got a lot of, a lot of this top plate stuff is, is figuring out what the top plate is. Um, and, and a lot of times it's kind of a trial and error for me because I might think, well, I need to, you know, exercise more or I need to do this or I need to do that. But, um, you know, I think one of the things I just kind of listen to my heart and you know if I'm feeling like crap um I I've been you know, like writing letters to God that's been that's helped helped me quite a bit and I'll write down all the things that cuz a lot of times I don't know what my top plate is I I'm so confused you know in my head so I'll write down the, you know all this stuff that's going on in my head uh, you know I can't get up on time. I can't get to work. I, you know, when I do work, I work too much. Um, you know, I'm I'm gaining weight. You know, I write all of these things down, and I did that a couple of weeks ago. And what I was able to do after I did that, I also had fallen back on my step work, and I wrote down all of these things and. Instead of you know, I guess my I'm, I consider myself a, a problem solver and analytical person. So, whenever I have a problem, I attack it and I try to solve it. But in this thing, it's a little different, and I have to really surrender it. And so, whatever my top plate is, or whatever I think it may be, or it may be several things, I wrote all that in that letter to God, and then I just kind of let it go. And um, Sure enough, I'm, I within a week, you know, I talked to my sponsor about it, and he got me back on track doing my step work, and so that kind of got fixed, you know, which I'm thankful for that. Um, my eating disorder has sort of leveled out a little bit, you know, but I, I don't, um, you know, I'm not eating as much as I used to, um, and not eating sweets and stuff like that. So. Um, you know, it, it, and I don't know exactly what my top plate is, but I do know that if if I can ask God and say, you know, can you can you help me with this, or can you at least help me figure out what it is, then I can uh, I can surrender it to Him and 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 get busy, you know, working with others and and let God work on that 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 part of me. So. Um, I think it's it's real important though because I to to determine what it is that's holding me back because like you know I I work on things that that really God may not want me to work on it at that time He's going to fix me in, in my own time so um, anyway that's kind of what's on my mind thanks thanks Brad
I'm Greg. I'm a sexaholic. Greg. Uh, rigorous honesty. Um, I always, when I was a younger man, I thought I was very honest. And uh, as I got into recovery, what I noticed was that I was really honest about what everybody else was doing, how good they were at their job, or you know, I was very direct in telling them what, how they were, in terms of performance and things like that. And um, when I started looking at my my own behavior, my acting out was the absolute worst part of not being honest. Um, I, re- I really started to look inward, and and uh, today. I apply that rigorous honesty to myself long before I apply it to everybody else. Um, I still notice things about other people, but I don't really say anything about it. You know, if they're that's their issue, not mine. And um, it's it's really working out well. Um, even just last night, my wife and I had a conversation, and uh, I was so much into my addiction, I never even noticed that when she would go run errands and I would be at the house. I'm such a workaholic that I would just work for hours and hours and hours. I didn't have to go to the country club to work out or, you know, the gym to work out. I would just work myself to death at the house on the yard, every dandelion. I used to inject dandelions with uh, weed killer one at a time if that's what it took to get the last one out of the yard, you know, such a perfectionist. And um, what I noticed is that our conversation was I, I I would get a resentment towards her when she would do the right thing and go to the the gym and and have a balanced life and my life was not balanced and I would have a resentment towards her and last night we had that conversation and uh, it was interesting how we divide the the household chores and what my perception of it is and her perception of it is and we. We had we've been married for 16 years, and we never really com- we just kind of did our what we thought we were the best at, and you know I do the outside, she does the inside of the house, and and having that conversation, I was really afraid to have it, but I thought you know it's it's time it 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 just happened to come up yesterday, and and we compared notes and and uh, we said you know if if uh, you want to trade sometime, you do some of this work and I do some of that work, and that just talking about that that resentment and being really honest about it um, I didn't get the reaction I thought I would get from her she was very positive about it and glad I brought it up and uh, you know every single thing my my uh, brother has asked me to do to be the godfather of of his daughter my my niece and uh, uh, I had to get the okay from the church you know get the certificate to be the godfather and and the church balked at it and uh, my brother wanted, but they gave me the certificate first. Then they did some research and said, "No, you can't. You know, we're not going to let you do this until you get these other things cleared up." And uh, I, in the past, I would have really reacted negatively to that. But being rigorously honest, I said, "Well, that's fine." I mean, that's I told him the truth up front. And uh, but my brother, he wants to go around. He wants to go to the church in another state. And, and try to get that to work. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm not real comfortable with that. And in the past, I would have said, oh, yeah, let's do that. And uh, Because it's not about me. It's about my, my niece and her baptism. And, and that's not really something I should mess up. So I'm doing the thing as honestly as I can do it. And, and I believe it's the right thing to do and it's the right way to live. So thanks. Thank you. Hey, I'm Leanne, sexaholic. Um, I want to say thanks for this because I've never heard this definition of top plate before. Brand new. I thought top plate was getting current. I thought it was what was going on, what you came into the meeting with that was eating your lunch. So um, I've been sitting there trying to think of what my top plate is. Um, Don't have to think very far. And so I want to cast it out. I guess I at least want to talk about it. I think it's that I'm still so far into my head and selfish that this program's still about me and it's not about us. Um, 
even coming up here, it's, well, what are you going to say that anybody else is, you, you don't have anything that's going to help somebody else. Uh, I know I need to make this choice, but I'm not going to make it because it's not going to affect anybody but me. Um, not realizing that, no, I don't want to say not realizing, being too selfish to realize that my sobriety directly affects somebody else's sobriety. Um, taking that to heart, pretending I believe that, pretending in a meeting I believe that, but still allowing myself the luxury of not working my program the way I need to work it because it's still all about me. So I'm glad for I'm glad for this meeting and I'm glad I was able to uh admit that and move on from here. And I appreciate again the analogy of explaining what the top plate is. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. Hey, I'm Bob, sexaholic. Hey, Bob. Um, don't know exactly how it's going to come out. I'm uh, somewhat of a perfectionist, good at intellectualizing, rationalizing. So I'm sitting in my seat trying to figure out how to exactly get it out in the right words. And then tried to stop and figured that uh, I'll just let it come out. So it may be a little bit disjointed. Um, somewhat uh, disturbed by the fact that a number of people that have already spoken uh, have been at this for much longer than me and still don't know what the top plate is. So uh, a little bit frustrating. I'm new into the program just a few months. Thankfully, I don't know if it's thankfully, uh, maybe unfortunately, I'm on the beginner's high you know, I'm not miserable. I'm feeling good because I physically haven't acted out. Um, but in terms of the top plate, I don't know what it is. I think it's two things intertwined. Maybe I'm thinking too much. Um, I know and I feel that I have no control over my disease. My life was unmanageable. I've been working on the first step for a while. And I know that uh, for a fact Maybe I don't know it emotionally. I think I do. I went into a meeting before that is this a life or death disease. Um, I never was in a position where physically I felt that I might die. So I don't know if this is my top plate or it's intertwined, but I don't feel, I don't feel that it's life or death for me. I've been dead emotionally for 30 years. So I can't die emotionally. I'm dead. Hopefully I can... I'm back to life. Um, so I don't, you know, I don't feel that it's a, that I have to, you know, start to recover or I'll die. So that's an issue. Um, the other, the for me, you know, it's I, I, my top plate, I think, and it may relate to that, is lusting. You know, lusting for women uh, that I'm seeing anywhere all the time. Um, because I don't feel I'm going to die if I stop. It's very hard to let that go. A guy in a meeting I was just in was quoting an old-timer who has since passed away, uh, which is, you know, killing me thinking about it. Is it's, you know, The guy didn't stop lusting until uh, three days after he was dead. So, and then when I speak to, you know, the, the, it's similar to me, it, they... Never stop lusting. Um, they have tools that hopefully get them into good habits uh, that can, you know, make the lusting not as bad as it used to be. You know, uh, luckily I've been in a position. I moved where I work. I was working in New York City, where you know it's just every possible spot. There's lust there. I now work in the suburbs, where really I don't today. You know, in the last month I haven't had that. I've been pretty good at turning my head. Um, but, you know, that's the top plate. I don't know 
how I'll ever stop that. Do I have to really stop it? Um, so I just wanted to get it out there, and uh, that's it. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Good morning. I'm Bob. I'm a sexaholic. Hey, Bob. I was sitting and thinking, what's my top plate? What's my top plate? You know, I've, I've got all oh, resentments. I could drag out a whole bunch of resentments and recite them to you, and then I get to exercise my resentments in front of you, and then you know, repent or something. And that, no, that's not it. I've got a whole bunch of crap I could drag out and say, well, this is me, and this is me, and yeah, that's. And so I'm trying to think, what's my top plate? And I thought, well, that's easy. Just look at what my wife would say my top plate is. And, you know, it's like she knows, you know, she knows what I'm doing. She knows, you know, she lives with me. And then it became real clear what my top plate is, and uh, it's that I'm lazy. Um, I come home. I live in the great white north up there, and, and winters are long and cold and you know, that's the perfect reason to sit in front of the TV and feel entitled to sit and play with my Xbox. And, uh, you know, I, I deserve this. It, you know, there's a foot of snow outside. The wind is blowing. And, and, you know, we live in the Arctic in Milwaukee. You know, <laughs> there's some people from Canada that are probably thinking, yeah, wow. Um, but um, I feel entitled to be lazy. Well, it bugs my wife because I'm not getting things done around the house that need getting done. But more than that, as I looked at it, I'm not doing my step work either. Uh, I keep saying when I go to meetings, yeah, I'm sober this long and I'm working on step 10 with my sponsor. That's how we introduce ourselves with, you know, in Milwaukee, what step you're working on and if you have a sponsor. Yeah, I'm working on step 10 with my sponsor. Yeah, well, no. Uh, I think about step 10 maybe once a week, but I haven't actually looked at anything that has to do with step 10 in probably a month at least. And this is real, real dangerous for me. Um, when I got sober two and a half years ago, it was because I thought I was different. I was looking at a lot of porn on the Internet, but I wasn't touching myself. I wasn't masturbating. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm, I'm not like other sexaholics. Obviously, you know, I can handle this. I'm different. And uh, again, my wife came to the rescue because she turned her printer on one morning and all the stuff I had been looking at started printing off. The day of reckoning had arrived and I realized I was about to lose my second marriage. Uh, and that this fantasy that I was not like other sexaholics was, was baloney that my acting out, whether I was still technically sober or not, my acting out was ready to destroy my life again. And so I, I reset my sobriety date for then. And um, But the point is, is that's, you know, the thing my top plate back then was, I don't need a sponsor. I've been coming to meetings since 1984. You know, I'm not sober very long, but, you know, I've been, I, I know better. Why do I need a sponsor that's, you know, a year and a half sober when I could tell him what to do? It was that pride. And my instructions from my higher power were, you find the nearest sober guy and ask him to be your sponsor and do whatever he says. I had to humble myself. I had to, and it, it has been a humbling experience. But you know what? It's worked. I've been staying sober. That was my top plate then. And so my top plate is whatever I actually am sitting there thinking. It's obviously what I what don't what do I not want to deal with? What don't I want to talk about? That's my top plate. What would I rather just rationalize away? Well, I'm not like other sexaholics. I can, you know, I can, I can afford to coast on my tenth step. I can afford not to do my step work because I'm not like these other sexaholics who need to work so hard at it. For some reason. I've, I've got a lighter version of the illness that allows me to coast for weeks or months. And, uh, yeah, I've been sober two and a half years. I'm up to step 10. Come on. You know, I'm not, uh, I've been coasting a lot. And, uh, and yet I'll self-righteously tell people that I'm sponsoring. Well, if you want to stay sober, you've got to work the steps. You know, um, 
I'm real good at telling other people, but then, you know, I'll sit in front of my Xbox and, uh, and medicate. I'm, 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 I'm just going numb. I'm, I want to feel comfortable. I don't want to have to deal with life. So in a sense, it's, it's a replacement drug. Um, and that's, that's got to change, I guess. And I didn't, you know, boy, I hate to say that because I just haven't been dealing with it. And that is the top plate. And, uh, by the grace of God, I have a wife that reflects back to me what what's going on, and um, once again, I, I, I'm going to have to address this issue um, and that sense of entitlement that I have a desi- I have a right to feel better, you know. And uh, well, I don't want to ramble on. Thanks for listening to me, and thanks for helping me to to take this step and, and give myself a kick in the butt to get moving on my step work and some of the things that need to be done around the house, too. Thanks, Bob. Hello, my name is Joe, and I'm a recovering sex addict. Sorry about that. that. A little trouble walking. Um, Me, too. uh, I've been to a lot of meetings, and when people talk about top plate, they come in, and it's dumping ground. And um, it, this is, at first I was disappointed when I came in here because I thought I was going to, I knew the reason I came in was uh, my lack of honesty and my self-pity and all this stuff. And I thought our experts were going to talk about that and teach me some really great things about how to be honest with myself and uh, and teach me about honesty and self-pity. But actually what you've made me realize is that uh, uh, my top plate is honesty or the lack of honesty and uh and the self pity is is one of them but the honesty is the, the main one and uh, the thing that is really uh, i guess as i was sitting there listening to this it's it's kind of ironic when i was acting out um years ago uh, i quit acting out in t- after 2001 uh, when i told my wife what had been going on and when i during the time i was acting out i, I would you know if, if she thought she caught me doing something I could lie about it I could manipulate I could deceive uh, I could tell her certain things and in her mind in her gut she knew better but she said you know I'm going to bleed this guy for whatever it's worth and uh, I guess I got so good at it um, that after I quit acting out uh, I didn't quit the dishonesty and the lying and that type of thing and um, you know when it's work related I mean, I got the highest integrity. I can. I'll look at a situation and I'll say, even if it's going to cost me money, I'm in sales. Even if it's going to cost me money, I'm going to do the right thing. If it's with a customer, I want to make sure and do the right thing. So I've got high integrity and honesty there. But then, in my marriage, I can't be honest, and that's 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 really scary. So that realization has helped today with this uh, with this topic. Um, and, and how this moves forward is, and it's the, the irony that I'll get to is that. Uh, Told my wife again in 2001 what was going on. Eight years later, uh, we say we've been trying to work on it. We really haven't been working on it. I've, I've been, uh, I've been dealing with a lot of shame and guilt and not forgiving myself basically. And she's been allowing me to live in the house and stay with the kids, but she's really stuffed the anger and down, down, down. Um, I don't want to tell you all the details about that, but the reason I tell you that is the irony is. Uh, she asked me to. She asked to separate, and we separated this last Saturday. So it's fairly raw, but um, I'm not having to leave because I began acting out again. I'm having to leave because I couldn't be honest with her. And uh, and one of the things, just simple little thing that happened, a friend of mine that I hadn't seen in ten years, female, uh, never acted out with her, whatever. But I worked with her. She came into town. Uh, uh, I, she she said, hey, I'm coming to town for Christmas. Hadn't seen you in 10 years. Let's get together. And I was like, no, I can't do that. It's supposed to be this, you know, supposed to be behaving. I don't want to do that. So she said, about lunch? And I said, no. She said, what about coffee, just Starbucks, whatever? I said, no. And she said, well, I'll tell you what. I'm getting my hair cut. Why don't you just run by 10 minutes, say hello, um, say hello, and then see you later, be done. Because she knows I've, have, I've got issues with my wife, and I don't want to mess that up so anyway i go knowing the whole time this little voice in my head saying don't go don't go don't go don't go because it's not the right thing first of all i get there 
and uh, I walk through the door, and guess who the lady is cutting her hair? The lady that's been cutting my wife's hair for the last 12 years. So, of course, I'm like, <laughs> great. So I said, I thought a lot worse, actually. So instead of me being honest about that situation, I kick into the old Joe, and I start thinking, okay, what am I going to do? And I panic, and I, I, we went there 10 minutes, they were done. So instead of just saying, hey, look, I know this looks weird, I'm sorry, whatever, I go into this, uh, you know, we're old friends, and my wife and I wouldn't, uh, you know, my wife, I said, Kimberly and I, there's nothing there, nothing's ever happened, but my wife would never understand this. And, you know, we've had some issues, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so could you just say you never, say you never saw me here today. <laughs> and she looked at me like, huh. So we got outside, and this other girl, and I didn't mention this, she went through a terrible divorce where her husband was cheating on her like two years ago. So she's real raw from this too. But she's recently gotten remarried. The hairdresser. Anyway, she got out, we got outside and the lady said, you know, when you said that, you just dug yourself a hole. So the more, so then I thought, well, I'll go back in and try to make it right. <laughs> so I went back in and tried to apologize and whatever and tried to make it right and that made it worse. So that's one other thing. And then real quick, so I'm getting a little time, but um, I don't run out of time. Um, it hit me last night before I came here. Uh, um, my sons, he had my son had a couple of friends over, and this is the scary part because I'm afraid I'm now pushing some of this off on my kids. Is uh, they wanted to get some toilet paper and go rolling last night because the boys are just going to be boys. I don't have a big issue with that. They're not going to hurt anything. They make a mess, but I don't really. I don't think. That's going to be a big deal. I think it's boys being boys, but my wife probably would say that's childish and you added to it. So me and my old self, and still my same self, was like, guys, look, I've got nothing to do with this. You, you know, you didn't get the toilet paper with me. I wasn't in the car. But, you know, they spent their own money. But, you know, actually I was in the car driving them. And, uh, you know, it, it just goes on. And, and I, you know, last night I thought, now something's going to happen and uh, they're going to get caught. And I'm either going to have to lie and I'm going to have to tell the truth. And I decided about 2 o'clock this morning when he got, in, uh, that he got back into the house, called and said they were in the house. I thought if he gets caught, I'm just going to tell the truth, tell them they got it from me, and be done if it comes forward. But this way. So sorry about that, but that's where I am. Thanks. Thanks a lot. I'm Adam, and I'm a sexaholic. Uh, I think my top plate is uh, anger, definitely. Um, been sober like 340 days or something and uh, 240 days. And I keep turning around. Every time I turn around, everything that comes up, something my wife says, something happens at work, something anywhere, um, I'm like just upset about it, angry, livid. And um, so my top plate is definitely anger. It holds me down from finding all my other resentments and um Looking at things like my spending habits, um, uh, anytime it comes up, my first reaction, um, like someone else has already said, is not to look at me, but to look at the person that's pointed out to me. Uh, whether it's someone else in my church, like they're trying to correct me on something, I'm like thinking in my head while I'm listening to them, I'm like, this isn't right. You're saying this because you're mad at me because of this, or I said this, or something about that person. It's not about me. And I have this saying that I've started to say in my head, but I just can't figure out why I keep saying it without fixing it, is I don't know what my reality is with being sober. I spent so many years acting out, medicating it. I don't know what's real, and that's where that saying comes from. So I say that all the time to people in my church. When they come to me, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what's real, so I'm just going to like chill out while I try to figure out what that is. So just forgive me for my silence or whatever. So um, that's my top plate. Thank you. Thanks. Bob, I'm a recovering sexaholic. Um, actually, I heard a definition similar to the top plate. Uh, I determined somebody shared in a meeting one time, somebody with many years of sobriety who said, um, the meetings are for working the steps or talking about the steps and the traditions and how it works in our daily lives. And the 
purging should happen with your sponsor or other fellowships outside the meeting. And I would like to say that I do that sometimes, but I also do purge in meetings sometimes as well. And uh, But it certainly clarifies the definition in that sense. Uh, my top plate, um, sitting here listening to everybody, is control. Uh, I really want to control my life. I want to know I want to be in, tr- in command of what happens. And, um, you know, that has not been the case. And because I don't have control and I can't dictate where my life is going, I have resentment toward that. So um, my life is actually, I've been separated from my wife for about a year and a half, not in the sense of my marriage, just geographically. Uh, it's kind of a tough situation, and we don't have time to explain that, but uh, I've done many ways to try to be back together with her, and every way it has not panned out, and that's God's will. Unfortunately, I don't like it. So um, the resentment I have toward that has been great. Uh, I am working my third step. I'm in five months recovery, and I am working my third step, and this is something that's, of course, turning my will over to God, as I know him, uh, is an important step for me because at this particular point, I've, I've exasperated anything I could do personally. Um, so uh, I read the third step prayer uh, every night before I go to sleep. Um, I've actually been reading the third step and the 12 steps and 12 traditions uh, for at least a couple of months. I still have not accepted it. And again, my resent I should say my top plate is the control and the resentment that I can't. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, my name is Ram Um my top plate is finances and um I don't have much of an income, but most of my money I saved up from Christmas and um I saved up a whole lot of money, and all I saved up my money for is to buy some headphones. And now my now my um, checking account is just and um, but and now it's just like I have these headphones, and um, like should I keep them or not? And um, and it's just been. Just like should I have them now? But like after, after, after now it's just been like yeah I should keep them, and um, so I'm really glad I have them. But uh, finance has really been my hot plate. It's really made me feel like a control freak lately. Over the past week, it's really made me feel um, I don't know what other feelings I can associate with this. Um, it's really made me feel up and down. It's really been a growing experience for me over the past week. Um, so um, I don't know. I, I, I really, finances really hasn't been what other people have been saying because y'all have re- really been saying um, feelings that you've associated with your top plates. Mine has been finances. Um, uh, so, uh, but I wanted to say it because. Um, I probably would not have um, verbalized or communicated with anybody else. So this is the only time I probably will say it. So there you go. Thanks. Thank you. If somebody's got a burning desire, we've got time for one more. And it's Eldon. It's me. I'm Eldon, the sexaholic. Hey, <clears throat> I think one thing I uh, realized sitting there is that uh, when it relates to top plates is what I try to do is I try I have a top plate but I try to deal with other ones below it and getting those plates out from under that top plate doesn't work too well um, <laughs> uh, I think my top plate is just like the not the last guy but the guy before him it's control it's it's really needing to do step my step one every day and just realizing just how powerless I am and what a mess I've made of my life on my own power and and that I really don't want control, and if I have control, I will just make another mess of it. And uh, you know, instead of dealing with that, I think I try to deal with other stuff. But 
that's it, I guess. Thanks. Thanks, Ellen. I want to thank each each of y'all for sharing and and um, and the rest of you for attending and being so attentive. Anything you've heard at this meeting is strictly the opinion of the individual. And Steve wants to share one more time, which is which is not atypical for Steve. Y'all understand that? see Harvey do this. Keep an eye on Harvey, right? He'll wipe off the shame. Doing. He's wiping the shame off. So we're going we're going over now for Steve. I'm going over for me. One of the, th- the only thing I wanted to mention is um, that that the third step in the big book. I've got a, a a guy that's in Memphis that paraphrases the section where it says we're we're plagued by a hundred forms of self, self pity, selfishness, self, 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 self. Uh, he, he paraphrases that really simply. He says self is the problem, God is the solution. Um, if if I am working to identify my my top plate. God may reveal that to me, right? But I can't do anything about it. That's what powerlessness means for me. That that I can sit here and say I am overly critical of my wife and that causes me resentment and entitlement. But I am not capable of not being critical and resentful of my wife. That's what it's talking about in this in this in this reading from Roy's, that what he's really saying to me is I bring it to the meeting to expose it to the light. And then the fellowship of recovery is going to help me figure out what to do about it. Um, If I'm going to the problem for the solution, then the solution that I'm getting is the problem. You can write that down think about it later. I didn't get it the first couple of times I heard it. If I'm going to the problem for the solution... If I'm the problem, then I'm going to me for the solution, and the solution that I'm getting is the problem. <laughs> I've got to take it to somebody that knows more than me. Um, and and that, that comes in the form of, uh, especially for you guys that are, that are new in the program, and I don't, I don't want to give advice. I'm, I'm really speaking from my experience. I've got a sponsor that is incredibly sober, freakishly sober, hardline sober, scares the crap out of me sober. And expects me to be the same way, and so that's what it is. Um, I needed a sponsor that was going to make me work the steps. It was going to hold me to a, a standard that I needed to be held to because my life is, was over. I'm, I'm suicidal. I was suicidal. Um, I was ready to end my life. I did expose myself and my wife and my kids to sexually transmitted diseases and my disease. I've had sex with well over 100 women physically outside my marriage. I've had sex with probably close to 1,000 women um, in, in cyber relations or phone sex. I've masturbated over 5,000 times in my life. I've wasted um, $340,000, $350,000 in this disease if you take the amount of time that I spend in it. I've I got to have a solution that's not me because I'm clearly pretty screwed up. So all that said, um, the solution to this stuff isn't coming from me. I'm going to take this to somebody else now that I've exposed it. Thanks. Appreciate y'all letting me ramble. Thanks. Let's all stand and close with the Lord's Prayer.
Thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, your best source for experience, strength, and hope from the SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choose either monthly or a one-time donation. Music was provided by Matt P. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.